And now, a word from our sponsors. Now available on Amazon.com in print and Kindle. From Sweetie Cat Press, the who's who of emerging writers 2021, which includes the bios of 128 modern day writers and seven essays by writing influencers. The bios answer the questions. What do they write? Where do they live? When did they start writing? Why do they write? And how you can find out more about them and more. I'm Christopher Bice. I'm the author of a New Age poetry book called Escaping the Darkness, Running from My Dreams. This isn't one of your grandmother's poetry books. Okay, I do some traditional poetry of love, death, and inspirations. But I also write about all the insanity hiding in my mind. Come experience the stories that are fleeing a tortured mind. Ride the wave of emotion and fear. Shed a tear, find the light, or maybe learn to fear the darkness. We're in the final countdown. Look for my book, Escaping the Darkness, coming this June. And tell your grandma to stay away. Submissions are now open until August 1st for the Sweetie Cat Press Anthology, The Whole Wide World. The submissions should be episodes of no more than 3,000 words and as few as 50 words about the worldwide adventures of Detective Curly Knucklewad and his assistant, Miss Wanda Wowser, as they go on a manhunt for the unknown thief of the limp noodle sauce recipe stolen from the secret government food laboratory in San Francisco. Submission guidelines are in the blog section of the Sweetie Cat Press website at sweetiecatpress.com. That's sweetiecatpress.com. S-W-E-E-T-Y-C-A-T-P-R-E-S-S dot com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. We are your hosts, Jen and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 134. Welcome. Welcome to the world of Myth Bits. There is no housekeeping this week, which I guess no news is good news, <laughs> typically. No, but I think it's just kind of been a quiet, a quiet week for uh, the world of myth and Jay Zomon and, and our little world, and that's good. I have spent my week submerging myself in creative chaos because that is what I know and that is what I love to do um but it's it's you know been exhausting but again in the best of ways I can't complain but doing uh, a portrait a tiny com- little commissioned portrait uh the portrait itself is not tiny it's just two faces that are small and giving me a headache but I love it it's turning out beautiful other projects One thing when I work, I will either listen 
obsessively to certain podcasts or I will listen to music sometimes. Depends. Depends on my mood. But a lot of times I will, like I said, if it's not a podcast, I'll watch documentaries. That's my thing is just I love to throw on a good uh, documentary. My favorite is a docu-series, you know, where you have several consecutive episodes. And this week I found myself completely uh, entangled in the story of Madeline McCain. McCann. The story of Madeline McCann. And because there's a documentary on Netflix and I was in my late teens when... Everything happened with this poor little girl in Portugal. And I, so I, I was pretty ignorant on it. I was super ignorant, like on the press and everything. So my brain, though, is it is so entrenched in this horrible, horrible mystery of where this, this young girl who'd now be 17 or 18 uh, years old and whatnot. And, like I said, I just completely ignorant on the subject. I knew of it. I knew the littlest details, but it's a really great documentary. Anyway, so that is where most of my attention really, like, just, you know, doing all of my work and stuff. It's, you know, just kind of where I've landed in the informational spectrum. But before that... I, again, will just throw things on. And I casually threw on Bo Burnham's new special, Inside. And hold on to your panties because we're going to talk about it. But I was probably about a half hour into it. And I was like, Joe needs to see this, like, now. So I finished it, and then right after I finished it, I'm like, "We're gonna, you're gonna, you need to watch this." So, and and he tried asking me, like, "What's it about? Like, is it typical kind of Bo Burnham stuff? What is it?" And I'm like, "It's, it's an existential crisis. It's there's no way to explain it." And so. I know Joe. The night the night we watched it, he, he you could you couldn't sleep, like you just kept thinking about it. So and my eyes were op- peeled open, and all I could think of that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It so we're like I said, we're, we have to get into it and we have to dissect it because it is phenomenal. But before we do, let me just wrap my little thoughts, my little thinky thoughts up. Yeah, so we're going to really, really get into it. And again, um, it's Bo Burnham inside. So to kind of give it a little preface of of what it is, if you have not watched it, um, or if you have and you want to chant along with us or, or disagree with us, it's Bo Burnham kind of who is, he's a, a comedian who rose to fame in his teens through YouTube and whatnot, and he's he 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 does musical comedy, eh, sometimes in the humor department. I've never not enjoyed him, but then he left. I wouldn't say the industry, but he left comedy a few years back, and he popped up. 
He uh, wrote and directed the movie Eighth Grade, which was also a phenomenal film. Excellent film. Um, And then he also starred, or not starred, but he appeared in uh, Promising Young Woman. And so he he hasn't necessarily disappeared from the public eye, but he kind of took a few steps back from his role as a comedian. And I think that's fair. So inside is, I think something we could all look at and recognize as a passion project. And I think one thing that is really portrayed across a whole is there's so much he discusses and, and, you know, conversationally puts out there um, and, and, and things, ideas he, he poses that makes it so magnificent. But again, going back to the idea of it being a passion project, one thing that is very clear, and I mean this in the best regards, is I think we all know that feeling because passion can, can fall all, all over the spectrum of you can have, you know, uh, passion fueled by hate or passion fueled by love. And, and I feel like those things fall into those projects, you know, because as much as you hate it, even, even you know, like, can you... Maybe this is a complete oxymoron that makes no sense, but hopefully it does because I feel like it does. Where you like apathetically passionate, maybe. Um, where it's like you just you you care so much, but you don't care at all. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I think that is something relatable. And Again, like from a creative's point of view, I feel like like that basis and that understanding and comprehension of what's presented to us in this um, special is probably one of the most endearing enactments of seeing that personified. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, definitely. When Bo Burnham first appeared, he was funny but not exactly what he grew into with this special. When you hear Bo Burnham, you think the guy who plays piano and makes jokes. In his early writing, it was clear he was unaware of, as we all are, or were, you know, uh, what he really wanted. Now after... Now here's something. like After after some acting, directing, and serious writing gigs under his belt, his growth has become evident. Also mm-hmm. possibly age. Yeah. Know? Uh, because your mindset's obviously going to change, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I think the more we learn and educate ourselves, and, you know, I was trying to explain to uh, my nephew last night, because we were kind of talking about it, and I feel like Bo Burnham, you know, when he <clears throat> rose to fame, again, he was a teenager. He was, was right. it? I want to say he was like 14 or 15, but I may be wrong on that. So fact check me. Well, she was, uh, I think he was 18 as soon as he. No, was. when he started like putting his stuff on YouTube. Oh, yeah. When he started rising to popularity, he was a, a really young kid. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you're kind of put into the spotlight, and especially I think we're, we're going to see more and more of this with, you know, younger generations who are growing up with that constant spotlight. You know, he, he's never been shy from from admitting he was like a sheltered kid who, you know, just 
was kind of privileged and, and all that, that great stuff. Um, and so I feel like his, his comedy kind of came from that same exact place, which is fine, you know, and, and because of course we're going to, we're going to joke and, and create what we know, you know, especially when we're younger, we think we're branching out. We think we're, you know, putting things out, especially if you're trying to be edgy or, well, right. That's you know, because interesting. You can, you can tell you're trying to write for the audience. Exactly. Hear, um, and like his earlier work, such as like an apple pie. Um, if you listen back to apple pie, it was targeted towards, you know, the audience. Yeah. Um, but I, I, uh, I just think that is worth noting. You know, yeah. that's how, how evolution happens. That's how right. especially comedic revolution hap- or evolution happens is you kind of, you have to understand the world and you have to be open-minded about it. Right. Um, and I think he is. I think he's definitely a very introspective person. So, sorry, go on yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, it, all his comedy is introspective, mm-hmm. like all of it. Like uh, thinking back, Thinking back, it had become evident that this special was coming. You know, in his previous special, Make Happy, he had that one song, God's Perspective, that enters with his usual writing and then turns into something serious. Mm-hmm. But before that, I think it was like 2010 also, he had a song called Art is Dead, right? <laughs> they had a song, Art is Dead, and that one, he really pokes at himself as an entertainer and, and what he was expecting from the audience, you know? With pandemic that ravaged everyone, it had become clear there would rise a champion. <laughs> Bo Burnham is the champion. <laughs> uh, he 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 has risen as the first serious lockdown champion, like in a serious note. Though mm-hmm. I think like a couple more episodes back, a few episodes back, I had mentioned that with the lockdown, some serious creative genius would arise, and here it is. Mm-hmm. When you think of the underdogs. This man comes to mind. He was good, and his earlier jokes were funny, you know, for the time like we're talking about. His song Repeat Stuff comes to mind. It's an entire joke about pop music and American culture targeted towards us, mainly young women, though. The same four chords, which is the running joke on pop music, as it is the same four chords to create the entire song. A lot of his other earlier stuff, he does indeed make a lot of music jokes, you know, because... Uh, one thing is that he is obviously musically talented when you really listen to his mixes on, especially on inside Mm -hmm. and he created the entire environment, you know, which more on that in a minute. (laughs) Yeah. His earlier material had like a lot of humor targeted towards himself, you know, then it changed, right? Just a little bit, a little darker, a little darker towards like the entirety of society as a whole. But even in, in inside he pulls some classic jokes, such as when he's commenting on himself, commenting on himself, <laughs> right? One of the best bits. <laughs> or the uh, unpaid intern, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so he's well, still... that one's. Yeah, that one's a, the same <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh, the video game. Yeah, the video game one. Yeah, but it takes such a deep look at the introspective view of the creative mind, right? The creative process was captured with such grace and grit. That ending scene was just... Mm-hmm. Buddy. 
I got chills. I feel stupid for getting chills, it's but an, I got chills. It's an all-in-one introspective piece. I wouldn't be surprised if this baby was on the road to the Oscars already. I know. It's gotta be. This, <laughs> this man rose from a tragic situation and showed a raw, unrelentless way to showcase this feeling that most would have around the world. Not just to show the lockdown aspect. I felt he did it with such grace. With the rawness. There was no complaining of the situation. No crying. Well, there was a lot of crying. Outwardly, you know. (laughs) He didn't jump on the old Facebook and blast everything. He took everything and and bottled it up into this little package. Also with that, you witness a bit of his mental state deteriorating. Yeah, so... The one thing that I thought was was absolutely, um, I don't know what the right word is, you know, ca- captivating, I guess, is, like you said, we're watching, you know, the deter- not so much the deterioration, but we're watching somebody deal with their mental health. And, you know, he, again, he's somebody who's been very open with his mental health, with the reason he left comedy, um, you know, situations like that. There's even a nice little right. saying, medication joke within the special. He's saying he was getting an anxiety on stage. He's getting anxiety on stage, and we all, we all know how anxiety can operate. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, I feel like I truly hate like it's one of my biggest pet peeves romanticizing dead artists who had tremendous tremendous mental health issues you know and when I say romanticizing I think everybody gets what I mean you know you look at like Van Gogh and nobody cared about him while he was alive you know what I mean and that just angers me because it it took his death it took his really horribly tragic death for anybody to take him seriously as an artist and I feel like that is so major throughout art and and creativity is we we apparently can only really um see someone's spark once you know that tragedy becomes mortal and that just grosses me out like truly truly grosses me out and so the big difference here is there's no romantic romanticizing of what this comedian this man is going through there's there's nothing like that it is he is telling you his story through the means of the, you know, the way he wants to communicate with an audience. And he does it so funny, but he also does it so brutally and honest and relate. It, it's relatable. It is so relatable. And... You know, I, I hate to, you know, art comes from pain and all that. Like, it just, that's another thing that drives me up the wall. What he put out was, it's the honesty. It's the honesty behind it. 
that makes it such magnificent art. That might also help them a lot, too, because you didn't have an audience at the time, right? Yeah. So he had no idea how this was going to go. <clears throat> right. So this could have gone horribly. <laughs> yeah. So he had no audience at the time. So he was able to um, help move it along because there's no audience. The nerves are kind of gone. No mistakes. All monitored and edited to the ear's perfection. The visuals done over and over and over again to perfection. So he had time, a lot of time to, I mean, obviously I hear like comedians perfect their bits over time and everything like this, but this was more of a thing. This was more of a, a theatrical one-man performance instead of just a, a comedy special, mm -hmm. you know. He didn't get out in front of the audience and, and do his thing. He had, well, he had an un known amount of time to finish this special yeah you know and yeah, he, he even makes yeah he even makes that uh, he makes that clear inside the special he mm -hmm. says in in one of the bits yeah his goal was initially six months yeah and that turned into a year <laughs> yeah and i mean and that's what i would go back to that too because he had, he had a full year to perfect this thing mm -hmm. and then craft it and mold it and turn it into this uh, a little gym, mm -hmm. you know. He, he definitely had, like, kind of a... He, like, showed his inner workings of his mind, obviously, through all of... Pretty much all of the songs in there of what was going on at the time. Um, especially that song, All, all Eyes on Me. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, now it's stuck in my head. Yeah, gonna have to, we're going to have to watch it after this. All eyes on me. All <laughs> eyes on me. Right? Uh, please not sue me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sue me, Robert. He so like strategically, intelligently molded these things to, together to create one scenario too because in the song Goodbye, he also references his own mental state against Welcome to the Internet. Mm -hmm. right? In the song Welcome to the Internet, he... Speaks, Welcome to the internet. Yeah, he speaks, and then he has, like, the villain, you know, old school <laughs> villain behind it, you know, the, you know, um, and he uh, says that this this thing that was created for easement of, of everybody has now turned into something else, and how many episodes on this very podcast have we talked about the internet turning <laughs> into something else that has affected society as a whole, so you want this thing to be easier and now it is not its thing that brings me to something i was thinking of earlier today think of it like the creative space now so he has this little block like carved out for himself essentially like after this special <laughs> you know he'll never probably never be hurting for a directing gig or mm -hmm. anything ever again so kudos to him for that but the creative, the creative space that's been cut out, you know, kind of like when you think about like in the old days, people would go to Hollywood in search of their creative endeavors. And now you can pretty much be anywhere mm -hmm. um, and do what you want to do. Like I have that, that actress who's from Argentina, mm -hmm. right? All, all you got to do, boom, swap files right on, on the so internet cool. and you're done, right? I'm sure time zones are a little hard, but... Uh, at the same time, it's easy done. You know, it, you just have to have the tenacity and, and desire to do the thing, um, which 
there are other space. Anyways, now you can go on to this new space that everybody's created, such as YouTube or SoundCloud, Spotify. TikTok. TikTok, yeah. You can go on TikTok and you can create like your own mini video. Mm-hmm. And now they have, I guess they have editing tools on, on TikTok now to where like they have time lapse shots and everything. So now you can like time lapse the shots and and now, you know, you have an entire studio in your pocket. I feel too stupid for TikTok, but yeah. Well, no, you have an entire, I think, didn't they ban that here anyways? No. It's not banned here? Oh, I thought they banned it. Nope. So now you have the space. TikTok and you can upload your entire mental state or your, all your dreams and hopes and dreams right in a little file pocket. Boom. Like right what, on. 15 seconds long? But well it's not just TikTok but like as a whole and, and YouTube and you can have your entire production like you you can go on the internet and if you have enough uh, money or capital you could turn one room of your house into an entire production studio now, right? Mm-hmm. So the easement of this has happened. So now you can produce things at the house. And now I think there's like a big clutter of, of chatter that people are a little upset because now there's so much content out there that it is. How many podcasts do you think there are? God, I'd say easily millions. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot, right? And we're just one little speck on that map and everybody wants to have a podcast and have it do well and whatnot so they can get paid to do this thing some of them not uh wanting to get paid like kind of like you you said earlier there's a passion project so you have a passion project and then getting paid to do something i feel that there's also a disconnect that's the problem that's why oboe might be the goat or one goat I'm sure there's multiple goats, right? Uh, he's the goat. He was never relentless and never sacrificed to what he wanted to do, right? So he wanted to do this thing. He never relented and never, you know, I um, mean, I've, I've... Which is a feat in and of itself. I, I mean, yeah. Because you could tell he. there were times where he didn't know how, like, how he could possibly, you know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Like, it's it's not so much about that. It's... That it almost feels like I don't like we don't know him personally, but it almost feels like he never gave up relentlessly against this other thing. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm pretty sure, <laughs> you know, after watching this special whatnot, he probably has the same thoughts all of us have. Yeah, obviously he does, right? And because you made a comment earlier, even in this episode about art not coming from what was it the art not coming from pain or mental the art has to come from pain okay which i don't disagree with it's just i hate when yeah you know it, not everybody puts turmoil into their work you know what i mean like no. and i hate that i hate that when you know you see something and you have to assume it has this deep meaning when it's just no it's something I wanted to make it something okay. that, you know what I mean? Like, not everything has to come from these horrible, atrocious places. Yeah. Granted, is there a nice little, uh, you know, it, it seems like that is one of the the major aspects that, that art has in common. True. Is that everybody who creates it, you know, tends to 
But here, here's the have ca- some. Here's the case though. It took bravery. Yeah. Like bravery pushed this special through. Mm-hmm. Right. Think of all the the art that obviously all of it doesn't have to come from tragedy. But imagine all of the greatest pieces that you know of film, particularly because now we're talking about film as an art form. Mm-hmm. Definitely it took bravery to show this type of thing in film. You know, if you think about in film as a, its own art form and the bravery it takes to show these things. Like, imagine where you would be without people actually showing the true cases of these these, these mental illnesses. You know, and I think that's really the whole part in which they're not trying to create something tragic out of the art form or trying to think deeper within the art form. Yeah, so and that's you can, what I like, was saying about Bo Burnham because he's a living artist. Yeah. And trying to dissect these things into larger forms because you can sit there and dissect however you want to feel. I mean, look at abstract art, right? You look at that... I don't. You look at that baby and you can you think whatever you want, Right? But it was the bravery behind putting the the occurrences out there, even for people to even think of. That's where you're going to have. Well, and I think one of the first things that came to my mind when, you know, watching this one is, you know, it's it, in the same realm is um, Hannah Gatsby's Nanette. Which was another piece that was just so instrumental in reshaping comedy as we know it. You know, it was, again, very much similar in that there were jokes. It was funny. Um, You could, you know, chuckle throughout it. But there were times that were so visceral that, you know, it it almost felt like an attack, not an attack like you were being attacked, but like an attack on your system because, you know, this this kind of acknowledging reality in this perspective and having these two worlds, you know, just really hit and collide together and... You know, it it just, I think, you know, with Bo Burnham, he kind of, um, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know if he felt inspired by, I don't know. I don't know what gave him that confidence to strive to make inside. You know what I mean? I love watching the evolution of comedy. I love watching the evolution of the media of of everything um because we're consistently shifting to actually represent the world and you know i'm also of the belief and and again this isn't every scenario but you know create what you want to see or hear whatever the case is you know if somebody's not making it you do that, you know, writing, write the story you want to read because there's going to be somebody out there who feels 
that same way. Because if you haven't had, if you haven't seen yourself represented, if you haven't seen, you know, somebody with XYZ in their background with, you know, whatever case, I can guarantee that there's going to be somebody who is going to, it's going to resonate with them. And, you know, I feel like that's where, you know, again, like Hannah Gatsby and and Bo Burnham, I feel like that's kind of where we're going in that direction, especially with comedy, Um, where it is introspective. It is still a social commentary, but it's calling out the absurdity, you know, because the best comedy throughout history has always been a social, you know, commentary. Look at uh, Lenny Bruce, you know, and Lenny Bruce was somebody who was dark, you know, (laughs) you can easily get dark. Um, Maybe that's also just our taste. But yeah, I just, I, I don't know, I really love to see this kind of shift in talking about these things, especially when we tend to romanticize these aspects you know again like I said romanticizing the aspects of mental illness you know how oh the the best pieces of art you know it's it just it it flabbergasts me and to see it stripped down and exposed for being something that like you said it took the courage it took the strength it took all of these things but we didn't we only saw glimpses of that but I feel like you know, for the people who who are creative, who do deal with m- mental illness, know what wasn't seen. What we didn't see in that special, we know what was in between, you know. And now I'm kind of going off, but yeah. Uh, well, it's like the scenes in which he jumped, he went, which he like shot of the scenes of like all the electrical equipment. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there by himself with the electrical equipment. You know, and it's just scenes of the the whole process of, like, being alone and creating these, like, entire environments and whatnot, you know. And it was just just a masterpiece. And also, you know, you cannot watch it without, even if you aren't a fan of his humor, you cannot watch it without absolutely respecting the feats that it took for him to shoot everything. You know, because everything, as far as I know, he did by himself between rigging the lights, rigging the cameras, rigging, uh, you know, the timers, you know, everything he did, you know, from the timing to, I mean, like, it's just, if you watch it to watch it. And then go back and watch it just to appreciate the talent and the tenacity (laughs) he put into creating this environment. It's so amazing and so cool and so fascinating. And just absolutely, like, that's, oh my god. Like, I genuinely was, was blown away when I realized he had to figure out all of this. Yes, this was a bit of a masterpiece on there because he had clawed at, like, the inner linings of the mind and was able to present this piece, you know, composed, written, directed, 
One man, one room. Done. If our conversation here today has piqued your interest, please go check out Bo Burnham's new comedy special, Inside, available streaming on Netflix only, as far as I'm aware of currently. Also, please check out his, his full-length film, Eighth Grade, written and directed by Bo Burnham. This film follows an introverted teenage girl who tries to survive the last week of her disastrous eighth grade year before leaving to start high school. It is available on Showtime, I believe, if you have it. It's available on Showtime, but you can also stream it on Amazon and Google and all the good. Eighth grade really shows how difficult it is for an introverted, socially awkward teenager to make their own way within the public school system. Specifically in such a hard time in which, you know, uh, middle school exists. It just it takes a bit of a toll, you know, on, on, on the young child to, to go through certain curves and, and trials and tribulations of such an uncertain time, you know, especially when your body is going through all those odd little circumstances. <laughs> he really nails it in that film, you know. Yeah, and I think the way he was able to really successfully, I don't know if he really took um, into account the perspective of the people he was working with, um, you know, and, and, and if he had assistance in writing the story, but it, it really transpired in a way that was like super realistic and really, really relatable because I know when I was 13, I was weird. Like I was not sure who I was like every other 13 year old, you know? Um, and I think, you know, I, I've talked about it before. Like that was really kind of when I started exploring, um, everything that wasn't like the norm. I started listening to different music that wasn't on the radio. I started dressing, you know, in <laughs> all black clothes. I cut my hair off. I, I was doing these things to, to try to, feel as normal as I could um, or how I felt, you know, and I think, you know, there's just this this way that was presented within the film that offered that kind of same mentality of there's no way you're going to be a perfect 13-year-old. There's no way you're going to be a perfect kid. Um, you're going to have to figure out what works for you, what's going to lead you the best into being you, you know? His other pieces of work we spoke of within the episode. His 2013 comedy special, What? His 2016 comedy special, Make Happy. Make Happy is where you can really tell where this new special was coming from. Um, oh, also, not to forget, his first one in, from 2010, Words, Words, Words. I, technically, I think he did start out on Comedy Central Presents, though. But, please go check out all of those fine stand-up films. Alright, you can find us at theworldofmyth.com on Facebook and the Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine. And on Instagram at the world of myth bits.
Thank you for listening. Until next time. 